Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are joined by nobody. (laughs) It's just me. Uh, I am sitting on the floor with Luna the Beautiful. Um, She is uh, looking at me like, Papa, Papa, why aren't you loving me? You could be throwing the ball. Why are you, why are you holding something? She is just so precious. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I could end up, honestly, if I don't stop now, just making an entire podcast about how wonderful and uh, adorable and beautiful it is. So I'm going to force myself to move on. Uh, And so today, this is not the episode I actually had planned. Um, Originally, I was planning on posting a a watch-along I recorded. So that'll probably be the next or second-to-next episode. Um, I was also debating doing like a quick thoughts kind of one, but more so on, um, more so on several movies or movie rumors and opinions and all that. But, uh, this one, I, I almost, I I don't know why I just, well, actually I do know why I felt the need. I'm like, nope, I got to record it. So this episode is directly inspired by, and I guess in a way, thanks to, um, our friends over at Geek Devotions, uh, the latest, I believe, um, episode of their podcast, uh, Calm Talk 2.0, um, was an episode, the second part of an episode they recorded last year, um, looking at it and ranking the, uh, the Alien franchise. Um, now in the Unmade series, uh, an episode on Alien is coming, um, but in the back of my head always, I've been like, I might need to do a separate alien unmade episode for alien three. Um, <laughs> cause the thing is like, you could be like, Chris, what are you talking about? Alien three got made. It is debatably terrible. Um, I, I have some friends who are like, Nope, the movie's absolutely bad. There's, there's little to no good about it. Um, I happen to disagree with them, but I, I, I can understand. Um, for me, there is still some good in the end result of Alien 3, but um, honestly, once you learn, just when even when you scratch the surface of the behind-the-scenes nightmare that was the, the pre-production and production of Alien 3, you're just kind of like, oh, snap. Um, a lot starts to make it starts to make a lot more sense um, why it was the way that it was. Um, And more than, uh, I believe, yeah, more than any other of the unmade episodes, um, today I will be (laughs) relying on on various uh, notes. And by notes, I mean um, wiki entries because there's a lot of ground to cover uh, with this. Alien 3 arguably didn't didn't need to to be made. Uh heck, you you arguably didn't need a an a sequel to Alien to begin with. But Aliens was so successful and so good um and so profitable that naturally they're like, "Nah, we're we're going to make a sequel. We're we're printing money." Basically. Um and that 
you can't say that's the case with uh, with Alien Three. Um, almost from the get go, it it had a uh, it had a, an issue figuring out what it was going to be. Uh, there were numerous numerous drafts for uh, for Alien Three. Um, particularly known ones are. Um, Eric Red's version of Alien 3, and that was going to be titled just Alien, like, Roman numeral 3. Uh, this was well before they decided to add the, the mini 3, like, cubed. Um, there was a, a David Tohi. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but uh, he did another pitch, another script. A uh, well-known one that got a, a decent amount of conversation on the Quadrilogy uh, DVD sets and then later um, Blu-ray set was um, was Vincent Ward's. And it was going to involve a wooden planet. And a lot of the concepts from that one did get uh, put into the eventual Alien 3. Um, but the one that seems almost most known just because it's been or is currently being being I'm not 100% sure um adapted into a novelization adapted into a comic through Dark Horse um when they had the rights to Alien and through an audio drama through Audible is um sorry I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to find the dude's name is uh William Gibson's script for for Alien 3 that seems to be the one that gets promoted the most as the unofficial um, or the unproduced screenplay. Um, like that's the one that it seems to be the most gone to. So it's, it's got the most uh, notoriety and, oh man, I, I, I really recommend checking out the, uh, if you can, the box sets, the, of the quadrilogy. Uh, Cause you can even look at the uh, the making of featurette of this, which was called, uh, what was it called? Wreckage and oh, yeah. So originally it was called Wreckage and Rage, uh, which is a censorship of the original title, uh, which was I believe Wreckage and Rape. Um, and yeah, this uh, <laughs> you could almost argue that this uh, that making of featurette is the problems of it like a microcosm uh, <laughs> or just the problems of alien three under a microscope um, because it was the only one of, of the set that was uh, <laughs> of the document making of documentaries that had studio interference and was, was censored uh, because eventual director and first time director uh, David Fincher uh, who was well known and well respected in the industry now um, had the, like the worst time uh, with this movie. It's something he's still to this day hesitant to talk about. Um, he, he is the only director who didn't come back to the quadrilogy set to do like a director's cut because he's like, look, the version of the movie I would have made is not in any of this because of all the interference y'all threw my way. Um, so I think I, it might be called the assembly cut. I can't remember. Um, where it, it includes some needed deleted footage and all that. Um, but still, even in the documentary 
on the original Quadrilogy DVD set, they lifted chunks that were um, critical of, of the studio, critical of Fox and their involvement, critical of the producers and all the heavy-handedness and all that. Um, and there was fan... Uh, low-grade fan outrage. Like, people were people were upset about that. So eventually on the Blu-ray uh, release of the Quadrilogy sets... Um, they they did the full documentary and they restored the original title, um, but in a way, enough about that documentary. It's just fascinating because um, <laughs> it it shows the problems. As you can tell by this, and it's brought up in the documentary, there were many versions of uh, of Alien Three that did not get made. So let's let's kind of start with the. Um, the original, uh, not the original, but we'll we'll go with the well-known ones. Um, I'll try not to just be reading um, the Wikipedia articles, but there is um, like there's there's some needed information. So, okay, William Gibson's Alien Three. It was a draft from 1987. Um, he was the first of ten different writers to tackle Alien Three. And his first draft of the screenplay is uh, most most well known, um, and it's widely available on the internet. Um, it bears no resemblance uh, to the Alien Three that was ulti- ultimately made, and instead of uh, focusing on Ripley, it actually focused and revolved around Hicks and Bishop. Um, I believe uh, Ripley and um, no, 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 sorry. Uh, Newt was set, like, awoken and sent away. There was an issue with Ripley's um, cryo chamber, so she she was okay, but she was, I believe, in a coma. Um, <laughs> Gibson later produced a second draft, um, and it ultimately over uh, altered the overall screenplay fairly drastically. Um, the first draft was an action strap extravaganza in the vein of its immediate predecessor um aliens the second draft radically scales back the number of uh, xenomorph antagonists to only three and it goes for a claustrophobic horror vibe of the original alien um which I, i'll say like for all its faults i think alien 3 did try to recreate that um that claustrophobic uh, horror dynamic that the original had, just just not as effectively, and uh, going from numerous xenomorphs overwhelming to uh, down to one. Um, also, like in in the original draft, they were going to be uh, battling numerous uh, genetically altered xenomorphs uh, on board an enormous space station named Anchor Point. Um, and I'll see if I can attach the uh, the transcript um, for Gibson's first draft. So I'm just going to try to sum up the plot. Bear with me. Um, the story begins with the Slaco on its return journey from LV-426, um, the planet at, in where the derelict is, where we first met the alien in Alien, um, but where our aliens takes place. Um, but due to navigational error, the ship drifts into a, an area of space controlled by the Union of Progressive Peoples. Um, so basically, this was going to be a socialist nation 
based on the uh, the Soviet Union and the Cold War, uh, which was seeping its <laughs> seeping into everything uh, in the in the eighties. Star Trek with the Klingons was an analogy of the Cold War and the arms race. Uh, Bond dealt ex- extensively with it. Um, Rocky ended it in Rocky Four. Um, the Cold War was a go to one. Um, so. Yeah, they're uh, they're going up against uh, UPP forces as they board the Sulaco, um, but then the UPP forces are attacked by a facehugger that has apparently grown from xenomorph genetic material that was deposited within Bishop. Because uh, at the end of Aliens, uh, the Queen ripped Bishop in half. Um, so the idea is that the the Queen snuck a facehugger in there. Um, before leaving, um, the victim and the face hugger are killed, but the remaining uh, and the remaining commandos flush them both into space. Um, and then, before leaving the Sulaco, they uh, they recover Bishop's torso. Sometime later, the Sulaco docks at Anchor Point, where it's met by a team of colonial marines again and scientists including a science technician named tully the they board the ship and are attacked by two drones in the hypersleep bay the creatures kill two of the marines before they are incinerated with a flamethrower and in the process ripley's cryotube is badly damaged by the flame she survives but she's plunged into a coma uh, newt and hicks survive unscathed uh which is a uh, a drastic drastic difference um due to, uh, to highly controversial elements from other versions of the script and the eventual theatrical cut of Alien 3. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Um, I'm just going to skip down because I'm, I'm reading so many things and there's so many drafts to get through. Um, so some of the stuff is Gibson's script is notably the only one written for Alien 3 um, that attempts to believably explain how there can be xenomorphs aboard the Sulaco following aliens. Um, An egg develops from xenomorph genetic materials inside um, Bishop's remains, uh, presumably deposited uh, when he was ripped into by the Queen from this egg. A facehugger then emerges and attacks a member of the UPP team that boards the vessel. However, his body is immediately jettisoned into space, and no explanation is given for the two drones that later attack the boarding party from Anchor Point. Even if more facehuggers somehow developed on board the Sulaco, there were no hosts from which the adult creatures were born, as Nip, uh, Ripley, Newt, and Hicks were discovered intact. So... Some, it, it seems like the script was kind of going for a little bit of a concept that's been behind the scenes in Aliens and used in that expanded universe called Egg Morphing, um, where a host is and <laughs> minerals and stuff from within them literally morphs into an egg that contains a face buster. Um, other notable... Oh, Luna... Sorry, Luna wants to play. She's upset that I'm sitting here and not, not focused on her. Um, other noticeable aspects of the script. Um, 
is it explicitly states that the xenomorph began as an artificially engineered creature. Um, so uh, one of the characters mentions that it's as though at some point their screen, uh, their gene structure had been designed for the ease of manipulation, going on to theorize that they were uh, created by an unknown extraterrestrial race used as a biological weapon. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is something that's popular amongst uh, Alien fans and Ridley Scott. Um, in the old Dark Horse comics, the Xenomorphs have a homeworld. Um, but heck, even in a conversation with a uh, with with Christian the other day on Skype, um, we were talking about it um, as we were kind of talking about Alien Three, and the xenomorphs take on characteristics of a host. So that's why in the original Alien and Aliens, the aliens are uh, bipedal or not by the, like they they go on two legs and all that because uh, their their hosts are human. Or in the terrible AVP movies, but the the much better AVP comics and games, the you can get things like the Pred Alien um, taking on the Dreadlocks and some of the strengths and the mandibles and all that. Um, in Alien Three, you get the uh, the dog Xenomorph, um, the Runner, or in the uh, Assembly Cut, it's a cow. Um, so it's much more speedy. Uh, it runs on four legs instead of uh, instead of two. And give me one quick second. I'm going to let Luna outside. Okay, and we're back. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to be quicker with this. I am sorry. Um, there's just so much information from this. And I could easily just be like, y'all should go check out the, the wiki entries. But I did try <laughs> to, to, to write down and memorize stuff, but it just didn't work. Anxiety's high, so again, this is uh, another episode that's uh, that exercise and getting out that energy. Um, so the script also had marked um, Cold War overtones, um, mentioning the arms race and all that with the socialist group. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that part's interesting um, to a degree. So at the end of the script, Bishop proposed <laughs> that the existence of the Xenomorphs might unite the two opposing powers to this common threat. Um, and then finally, this uh, the script is somewhat unusual in sci-fi um, because it paints a realistic representation of decompression in space. Um, such an event is often portrayed, that, portrayed as causing people to spontaneously and violently explode, um, which is something we'll talk about in Eric the Red script, um, which isn't true. Um, and that one of the characters in this script, as he sucked into space um, while having his helmet off, he briefly is... Uh, he, he quickly is just frozen solid. So y'all remember that clip from the magic school bus where, uh, Arnold's annoying cousin is being annoying. And then he just takes his helmet off while they're in space and it becomes a frozen ice cube with glasses. That's realistic. <laughs> um, so this also was going to add some uh add some new additions to um to the xenomorph and how they go so gibson altered the nature of them uh bestowing the creatures with new abilities most drastically the xenomorphs in his script would now exist the ability to reproduce just via 
um, close proximity airborne contagion, like a virus. Um, so, <laughs> weirdly, even though we're almost at the end of the pandemic, it'd be like, picture someone getting COVID-19 and then <laughs> turning into a xenomorph. Um, when the xenomorph contagion is inhaled in the lungs, the victim, after a variable amount of time, goes through the change. Um, and they become a xenomorph. The transformation process uh, would be summarized as a rapid and involuntary change of the in the human's skeletal and muscular makeup below the skin, concluding with the newly formed xenomorph graphically tearing the flesh husk off of its body. The xenomorphs always have <laughs> graphic and violent introductions into existence. Um, the, air uh, the airborne contagion concept, it was intended to introduce suspense as the, uh, the survivors would not know if anyone among them was infected until the change suddenly incurs. Uh, the concept and the process of sudden transformation, um, it was, there were clear parallels to a, uh, John Carpenter's uh, The Thing from 1982. Um, and let's see. Oh, yeah, actually, in a way, this did get adapted into a later Alien movie, uh, again, to a small degree. Um, Alien Covenant with the, um, with the little eggs, the airborne spores that go into uh, dude's ear, um, the other dude's nose results in the neomorph, um, or the backburster or the neckburster. Um, yeah. So let's see. There were some other stuff for the first draft. Uh, the xenomorph the xenomorphs were also going to reproduce through the typical means of the chest busters. Although in this case, um, multiple chest busters would emerge from one victim. Um, which, with the exception of certain xenomorphs doing it, like the Predalien, no, it's just one one chestbuster per per victim. So that would have been that would have been something. Um, also, how they get uh, impregnated is not even just through the uh, the face hugger in this draft. It's um, like a drone bites somebody's uh, leg and they they get pregnant. So with a chestburster. So I, I not a fan of that part. Um, of course, they since it's the third sequel, the um, Gibson was wanting the Xenomorphs to be bigger, meaner, faster, um, so they could re uh, reproduce far more quickly, um, and there would be uh, genetic modifications and cloning stuff and all that um, that messes with it. So. There's uh there's some similarities between these and the uh the cloned xenomorphs we get in the uh in my opinion even worse Alien Resurrection uh another movie that has some good concepts but some good concepts does not a good movie make um so then the second draft um let's quickly as quickly as I possibly can because you know me I'm long winded and uh. I'm not the best at reading. <laughs> um, so the second draft is, um, it's got mostly the same plot. 
Um, it's features less action though, fewer human characters and less, uh, many less xenomorphs that stalk them instead of uh, a bustling, heavily populated space station <laughs> housing a uh, contingent of uh, colonial marines. Anchor Point is manned by a skeleton crew um, while its construction is being completed and the personnel stationed there have access to almost no weaponry. And that's somewhat of a concept that does get eventually in Alien 3. Different setting, but small crew, no access to weapons. Um, in the second draft, there's a, um, it addresses... A plot hole um, from the first draft, the presence of the two xenomorph drones. Give me a second. Luna now wants to be let back in. Okay, and we're back. Um, <laughs> so it, it tries to uh, correct that. In the second draft, a UPP commando who was attacked by the face hugger isn't flushed into space, and his colleagues are forced to leave him aboard the ship. The drone that uh, emerges from him just subsequently goes into hiding. Which makes sense. Uh, you see that in Alien. It's all about hit and run. <laughs> the thing is born violently and then goes, hides in some vents. Grows, attacks, disappears. <laughs> um, so, when the team from Anchor Point board, board the Sulaco, they aren't attacked by the Xenomorph. There's no firefight in the hypersleep bay. And instead of being destroyed by flame... Uh, Ripley's cryotube is said to have been damaged by the commando when he was attacked by the face hugger earlier. Um, and it, that can make sense because uh, face huggers and that whole process is uh, is incredibly violent. <laughs> when when you when you try to think about what's going on, no, nah, it's it's horrendously horrifically violent. Um, so the drawer, the drone gets aboard Anchorhead, and only then does it begin killing the crew. Apart from the drone, the only other xenomorphs in the story are the hybrid. Um, sorry, I'm just gonna quickly try to find out what that is because that's brand new information <laughs> for me. Um, and the genetically modified creature in the UPP labs. Um, so yeah. Other notable additions and alterations in this draft. Um, during the anchor point search at the Sulaco. Uh, okay, no, no. <laughs> I don't need to read this part. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff that they didn't cover before. And that's going to take like 10 minutes for me to, uh, to try to figure out. And then words, words. Okay, now I'll quickly give some info about... Oh, the hybrid, right. Okay, yeah, I did... Um, I did learn about this. It's got similar... Okay, so the characteristics. Uh, this variant is quite different in terms of birth and design. It's not implanted like the typical chestbuster. Instead, <laughs> the DNA is mixed with that of the human on a molecular level. Um, creating the the ovomorph, the egg. Um, when the expo when exposed to the host, it liquefies, recreates itself, and then shoots spores into the air, thus allowing the host to be infected. After gestating, um, there's that transformation, and then it bursts through it bursts through the body. Um, it's 
appearance is uh, different due to the presence of the human DNA. It had two small beady eyes, a human-like nose, and a more flexible inner jaw. Um, It should be noted that its vocalizations were not the same of the other xenomorphs. Um, The fingers were also separated similar and looked more similar to human fingers. Instead of standard six with two pairs, it had six individual fingers. Fingers. Um, it also didn't need to lay eggs or cocoon hosts, instead opting, opting to injure or maim an intended host. However, it still the, displayed the ability to create the residue, but a different residue. Um, so, what's interesting with this is this is basically, uh, in look, it looks a lot like what you would get from a... Uh, to a degree, it's like the, um, the newborn from Alien Resurrection. And it, like, you, the hybrid did show up in the, um, the comic based on this, uh, this screenplay. And, like, its head is translucent, and there's, like, a humanoid skull in there, which uh, is something that was in the Geiger design of the original Alien. So that's kind of interesting. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's move on and I'll try not to take as much time. Uh, so we'll go on to alien, uh, <laughs> uh, Eric, the Eric, not Eric, the red Eric red script, um, of alien three. So during its development, it was, uh, known as alien world. Red was the second of the 10 writers, um, to come aboard, uh, like, uh, Gibson script it bears no relation to the eventual third um, so let's see and it instead focused actually oh my gosh um, it instead focuses on a character named Sam Smith battling xenomorphs aboard a space station part of which consists of a giant, a giant glass dome containing an entire small town USA settlement called North Star that's interesting um but let's see. Uh, so, sorry, I, I, I forgot some of this, but um, this one doesn't have the uh, the best fan reception. So, a team of unarmed soldiers led by Sam Smith, uh, not the singer, <laughs> boards the Sulaco as it drifts in space. After discovering Bishop's severed legs, the cream t- the <laughs> the team finds the three cryotubes in the hypersleep chamber have been smashed open. So amidst the separated human remains sit three xenomorph eggs. Sam finds a tattered name tag bearing the name Ripley. Uh, suddenly, they are attacked by a xenomorph hiding in the ceiling with no weapons to defend themselves. The soldiers are massacred. Um, Sam wakes up at home, the pre- feeling like these events are, uh, are a nightmare. So... Um, Sorry, again, I'm not going to read the uh, the entire plot. That's going to be boring for y'all. Um, me, right, <laughs> just me sitting reading a, a wiki entry. So, yeah, it's, uh, like, the, the decision to kill off Newt and um, Hicks was a very unpopular one. Um, there are some people that supported it, but there are others that, that just hated it. Um, 
sorry i'm just trying to i i lost my spots um this was also going to have a new form of human xenomorph hybrid um there's also like bug <laughs> like mosquito xenomorphs so that's um oh my gosh so also the uh the human xenomorph hybrids there were 20 of them they they form into one giant creature as well yeah this is this is bad <laughs> so let's see uh so red's screenplay um was considered brash and uh it's been largely ridiculed since its release uh you can find it online and red himself had Red himself has since disowned it, calling it a piece of junk and claiming it was far removed from what he intended. Uh, and it was the result of frantic and confused studio pressure, which does make sense given this horrible pre-production period. Um, Red also... Uh, like there was critis a criticism towards killing Ripley, Newton, Corporal Hicks, um, and there was no explanation whatsoever for where this uh, where the xenomorph that killed them uh, came from, which is uh, it's fairly consistent <laughs> with Alien Three in general because what is called in the what was known in the uh, alien canon like through the novels and the comics was a queen facehugger got on board so the queen brought this along with it basically snuck it into a snuck it into friggin uh bishop and then that's what got out and plants the queen and also has a queen embryo and a standard drone embryo the drone is born faster and make sure things are safe for the queen okay let's move on um so also, um, sorry, let's, um, I lost my spot and my train of thought entirely. Uh, also the script was strangely, strangely used, um, modern terms to describe the weapons, um, which in Alien and Aliens, it's and the the comics and everything, they've always been called like pulse rifles, smart guns, and sci-fi e things of the future. But the characters use Colt forty fives, N sixteens, Browning machine guns, um, and a Winchester repeater, <laughs> like old old tech. Um, the the script was also considered ex excessively violent even by the standard of uh even by alien standards which it's an r-rated franchise with the exception of avp and you can even see it in the controversial but i i really love covenant um it's gory it's it's never been not gory um but even this they were like this is a uh, it's insane. Um, it's, uh, people were like, this is ridiculously over, over, over the top gory. I can't words. Um, there was, there was even, uh, I'm so glad this didn't happen. There was even, uh, one chief target of this, this thing is a scene in which two victims were graphically mutilated by a xenomorph 
while having uh, mid-maritals. That's what I'll go with. Um, as well as uh, exaggerations of uh, decompression in space, um, where, like, a guy explodes in a, quote, shower of meat, blood, intestines, teeth, and skull tissue. Um, what? So, let's move on to the differences in the xenomorphs. Um, as with all of the unproduced scripts, read, read further alters the, uh, the xenomorphs, giving them new, uh, new abilities. In his script, it... <sighs> Sorry. I just lost... Oh, yeah, um... The aliens in his script are far larger, um... So, in this one, the, the the queen in Aliens, and then the comics and blah, 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 were, was stated as 15 height, uh, 15 feet tall, and in Eric the Reds, that's the warriors, that's the drones, like, they're, they're just that size. Um, the, he did want to bring back the, uh, the egg morphing um, thing that was, still is shown in the director's cut of Alien, which... I would love to see made canon because it doesn't replace the need for a queen as sometimes people suggest. It's like, hey, if it's a lone drone with no queen and no access to a hive, it's going to make a hive. Um, it's going to make something new. So let's see. Um, it was going with the idea of the adult xenomorphs have a very short lifespan um, which I think is dumb. Um, and yep, there was also going to be the xenomorph, like the, the xenomorph virus. So, um, um, it's a concept that later got recontextualized for, uh, for covenant and used much better. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's try to speed this up. I, I appreciate y'all for, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping you're enjoying this. <laughs> I'll go with that. I know I would, but <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping you are. Okay, so next up is uh, Vincent Ward's Alien Three. Now this one is this one is has a controversial sitting within the fan base, but I will I will say that this is probably my my favorite version of it. And you can uh, of the unmade versions, this is this is one of my favorites. Um, and I'll attach a link to the uh, to the full version because I think I can also do that with everyone's, which is uh, which is good because I I enjoy reading actually the unmade scripts because it's it's just interesting to learn. Um, okay, sorry. Oh my gosh, now everything is freezing and slowing down, and I hate it. <laughs> okay, so uh, the story begins in this one. This one actually bears the I'd say, I'd argue bears the most resemblance to the eventual Alien Three. A lot of the concepts from Alien Three are there, uh, but instead of it being a um, a a back end of the backwater <laughs> prison planet, it's um it's a wooden satellite planet, um, which you, you can get iffy on. Like, how does this have gravity? How does this have atmosphere? How does this sustain stuff? Where 
All right, yeah, you can get nitty-gritty about it, but also, like, some of the concept art from this was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so I'd be like, you know what? I'm willing to I'm willing to go with it. Um, so this is kind of like a secluded group of monks. Um, and what heats the what heats the place is uh, antique glass work, <laughs> antiquated glass work. So they're melting glass and shaping glass. Um, so the movie starts off with a uh, brother, John. Um, he tends to the wounds of another um who burned his arm in an accident. Bell signals that it's time for lunch, but while the other monks head to the mess hall, Brother John instead ascends through a wooden monastery to the library where he reads with his dog, Matthias. Uh, the leader of the commune, known as the abbot, permits John to take one of the books from the library, um, which would normally be forbidden, and read outside. Brother John ascends to the surface, and the monastery is revealed to be a man-made space station called uh, Arcyon, um, constructed mostly from wood around a metal frame. On the surface, Brother John sits beside a lake, and as he reads to Matthias, he notices a shooting star in the sky. Over the following days, more and more monks assemble to watch the comet as it approaches the space station. Um, eventually... The star crashes down into the lake, and it is revealed to be an escape pod. Brother John rush, rushes out um, rushes out to the pod in a small boat and climbs aside. It transpires that all technology has been cast aside by the monks, and as a result, Brother John has no idea what any of this stuff is. Um, within the pod, he finds a shredded, blood-stained clothing of a child and the head of a doll before stumbling upon a distress message recorded by Ripley in which she states the Salako has been infested by xenomorphs and Corporal Hicks and Bishop have been killed. Uh, she plans to escape with Newt in a lifeboat. After viewing the message, Brother John discovers Ripley still inside a hypersleep capsule and he rescues her from the craft. Um, despite protests of the other monks. And again, um, I know people were upset by Alien 3's decision to kill Newton Hicks. Um, but in some ways, I kind of like it because it does, uh, like one of the overall themes from Alien 3 is Ripley deals with survivor's guilt, but everybody she knows dies horrifically. Um Anytime she gets any semblance of of hope, it's it's snatched away, um, which leads like really informs her eventual disdain for the for the xenomorphs, um, what they represent, her hatred for for the company, which uh, Alien is just such a wonderful representation of capitalism taken to a very unhealthy degree. Um, it's. Sadly, not to get on a, a too political rant, but I would argue, though, sadly, that uh, our future is less like Star Trek and more like Alien, um, which is uh, not something I, I like and I, I hope is changed. But it, it, to me, that just seems more likely. Anyways, uh, part of the reason the monks are hesitant is... Um, Ripley's a woman. They're recluse monks. Temptation. 
themes of that. Uh, a lot of a lot of those themes. Um, so, after having a nightmare about a xenomorph, Ripley awakes in the monastery. Side a window, she sees fields of wheat all housed beneath the surface of the planet, um, with the ceiling high above painted to resemble the sky, fitted with large windows to allow sunlight to filter down. Um, she sees the the escape pod. Uh, lower down having been recovered from the lake um so ripley tries to warn <laughs> the abbot about the the uh, the alien she thinks there was an alien on board um she suspects that was responsible for newt's death but she's rebuked and the highly skeptical abbot holds um that recounting the events on lv Four two six are all an elaborate deception, as this monk believes that the Earth was destroyed decades previously, an event that led to the monks rejecting all technology. Uh, the monk then has Ripley locked up in a room and forbids any uh, of the uh, of the other brothers, but especially Brother John, um, from making contact with her. Later that night, that night. Um, the two of the monks, Brother John and another one named Brother Graham, see a chestbuster emerge from one of Brother Graham's sheep. Before it can escape, the they kill the infant um, by burning it alive. Following the incident, <laughs> Ripley is brought to a kangaroo court, where they is uh, then subjected to a one-sided show trial by the abbot and the other senior monks. Uh, who charge her with bringing evil to her commune? Uh, to their commune, her protestations regarding the xenomorph are again ignored or otherwise rejected as a deception, and she is declared for the responsible of and responsible for the appearance of this devil that came from the sheep. She is imprisoned in the lowest levels and resigns herself to her fate. Uh, Brother John doesn't share this, and uh, he. Uh, eventually decides to head to the lower levels to seek her advice as he leaves uh, several uh, several monks are killed in the uh, the lavatory um, this scene would be described as like almost like the old outhouse style toilets that were wide you're you're crouching over them and the xenomorph is um, like crawling around under and yanking them down which could be played for uh, dark comedy um, so Ripley in herself finds another man, another android named Anthony, um, because he represents technology and everything the monks are trying to get away from. So, so I am trying to speed this up. Um, there is a technology room, um, which they, uh, which they try to get to because at this point, Ripley's just accepted her fate. She's just like, look, this thing's here. It's going to kill all of us. I'm done. Um, but eventually, Brother John, like, talks her into um, and convinces her to help him and uh, save the people. They head to the technology room, which is the chamber where the station's air and gravity are produced in the hopes of finding something that may be used as weaponry. And again, similar concepts are in the uh, eventual Alien 3. And, uh, sorry, I'm, <laughs> this is just fascinating for me. And I'm, 
I'm hoping it's good for you guys too. Um, let me know in the comments. I'm hoping this isn't the <laughs> my most boring unmade episode. I'm hoping you're enjoying it. Um, so as I move there, uh, Brother John reveals that the order on um, on the the satellite <laughs> Arceon started out as an anti-technology movement on Earth, which grew exponentially after a computer virus wiped out a huge portion of the data stored on the planet. Um, people flocked, flocked to their causes, and the rejection of modern technology threatened Wayland Utani. <laughs> corporations aka the corporation um's profits so uh <laughs> the movement's members were banished um aboard uh Arceon for the crime of political heresy and uh, as you dive deeper you eventually find out like they weren't supposed to survive but they did um back on the upper levels the, uh, the xenomorph is running amok murdering people <laughs> as as they do uh it attacks <laughs> several people in a field of corn um and from i believe how it's been described and illustrated think the long grass scene from the lost world eventually the uh the field is uh, set ablaze um however the abbot soon arrives and uh it eventually the abbot escapes eventually is reunited with ripley the android and brother john in the lower levels um but upon reaching that room they are attacked by the xenomorph while Rid while ridley struggles to open the door anthony and brother brother john fight the creature off using bear traps <laughs> that are being set up in the area to stop monks from venturing in um but as they succeed anthony is critically damaged um and then the survivors make it into technology room and seal the xenomorph outside. They discover that it's not, it contains nothing but wood and cloth windmills that circulate the air and the water. And the truth becomes apparent. It was never meant to be sustainable and was always intended as a death sentence um, by the company. To make matters worse, the fires started have now used up a large amount of the remaining oxygen and has also uh, destroyed the crops that helped refresh the atmosphere. As the survivors argue about escaping, a new type of chest buster erupts from the abbot's head, killing him. Uh, Ripley and Brother John elect to make an escape for the Sulaco escape pod and use it to flee the station. However, Anthony is forced to stay behind due to the damage he received earlier um, and then as the others leave, Anthony is completely destroyed. Um, eventually, Ripley and Brother John reach the library just below the escape pod, but are again confronted by the Xenomorph. As the two survivors fight the creature, its, its acid blood starts a fire that destroys the library's four, and all three of them fall into the glassworks below. The Xenomorph falls into a vat of molten glass, apparently killing it, but it emerges again and prepares to attack whereupon Ripley opens a large dump tank and dank douses the creature in a torrent of water, causing its glass-coated exoskeleton to explode through thermal shock. That is hugely um, lifted and adapted to the, uh, the climax of Alien 3, and I really like that climax um, <laughs> I, I, as the end to the creature, because the, uh, the other climaxes which are, are great in and of themselves um, where it's like ejecting the, the alien into space 
Also, at times, involve Ripley, who is a normal human being, somehow surviving the vacuum of space. Uh, because reasons. <laughs> so that one, at least, you're like, all right, there's no logic loopholes in this. I'm down. Um, so Ripley and Brother John, uh, they they eventually make it to the escape pod, but as they prepare to leave, Ripley realizes she has a chest buster inside her. She prepares to send Brother John away in a, in the escape vehicle while she stays behind to die. However, Brother John refuses, and by beating Ripley's chest, he manages to make the chestbuster crawl out of her through her gullet into his own throat, uh, saving her and impregnating himself. Uh, condemned to death, Brother John leaves the escape pod and walks into the fires, raging across the surface of the planet, killing himself and the infant Xenomorph. After watching his sacrifice, Ripley flees the dying space station in the escape pod, um, with Brother John's dog by her side. So, a lot of that was later, was adapted. Um, it was adapted, um, into, to Alien 3. Um, and on the DVD, they also share, like, there was another, there was another version where most of it was the same, of, of, uh, Vincent Ward script, but Ripley died instead. Um, because with, <laughs> according to Ward, Sigourney's like, I don't want to live through another one of these. And it does kind of make sense. Um, cause even though she's always like the survivor, um, she would want to take down this, this creature that has taken everything from her. Um, especially then with the, uh, the idea of, in the eventual Alien 3, like, the company being there to try to, uh, to take, to take the Xenomorph back alive. Because she's like, nah, nah, man, this, this wouldn't work. Um, so, noted trivia, though, is this, this one has ex uh, received positive reception. Sigourney Weaver, though, expressed a negative view towards it, Dating elements were there, but there was no story, and certainly no story involving Ripley. She felt he didn't really know to do what, what to do with her character. Which, um, fair enough. <laughs> that fair enough. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with her. <laughs> she she is she is Ripley. Um, all right. So the final one we are going to talk about is uh, David David Twohey's script. Um, all right, so somewhere in space, a mining ship is collecting asteroids to harvest their raw materials. Suddenly, the vessel's machinery shuts down and reported in response to something detected in the rock being processed. And he investigates and finds a face hugger entombed in amber in the debris. Uh, oh my gosh, it's the mosquito from Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's a face hugger. Awesome. Uh, he collects it and transmits the message to Wayland Yutani uh, before the ship resumes uh, its harvesting operations. Cut to three years later. Uh, several new inmates are being transferred to Moloch Island, a giant prison space station in orbit around Earth. The new arrivals, Styles, Grimes, Van Brunt, <laughs> Domingo, and Kiryu are put straight to work in a large foundry at the center of the space station that possesses ore, mi 
Orr's mind in space. Um, so they eventually try to, uh, let's see, say, okay, someone's getting executed. <laughs> that, that's basically it. Um, Styles hears uh, that night after the uh, the thing. Styles hears mysterious screeching noises. Sorry. Um, so basically, in this one, uh, <laughs> it's being used as uh, this planet is being used by Wayland Yutani um, through their experiments of weaponizing the xenomorph, and that goes awry. So let's see, let's see, um, sorry, um, jumping down to this notes section, um, so this is where the prison planet got carried over, um, none of the plot or the characters from that were, uh, were carried over, um, however, the character of Packard in this, um, bears similarity to the character of Clemens in Alien. Other aspects of the screenplay screenplay later uh, resurfaced in Alien Resurrection. Notably, the script features several characters being sucked piecemeal <laughs> into space through small ruptures in the uh, the island hull, which is what happened happened to the newborn at the end of Alien Resurrection. Um, but that was also apparently. Uh, the planned fate for Lambert and aliens, um, but had to be dropped at the time because of uh, special effects limitations. Um, the room containing glass tanks holding the dormant xenomorph prototypes, um, some of which were grotesquely reformed, was um, something they used for the clones of Ripley in, um, in uh, sorry, in Alien Resurrection. Um, and then, unlike the preceding screenplays, which generally featured more and more xenomorphs for the protagonist to defeat, um, Tohi's script uh, instead moves in the direction of the original alien with only a, a very small number of creatures. Large portion of the story features no real contact with them at all um, and focuses instead on escape attempts from the, the prisoners. Um, and the script also just uses the name Waylon yutani um, for the company instead of Wayland Yutani, Wayland Yutani Company or Wayland Yutani Corp, um, which were later names for it. In the original Alien, it was just Wayland Yutani. Uh, of course, there were changes to the uh, the Xenomorphs um, here. So instead of them being impregnated with uh, chestbursters, they are engineered and grown in an artificial womb in the lab. Um, none of the xenomorphs are ever seen attempting to recreate um, on their own, although a creature living below the cell block does begin building a hive inside a water tank. Um, the aliens are uh, being altered due to ex um, genetic experimentation, um, which was in William Gibson's original script and later got used in... Uh, alien resurrection so the creatures don't share the hive mentality of the xenomorph seen previously and at one point two types of aliens actually fight each other to the death on site which i gotta say i would love i would love to see that <laughs> like 
one of the ideas in, in um, Alien Covenant that didn't get used was the uh, the neomorph, the white the white albino xenomorph thing that was running around. Um, at the end of the movie, it was going to square off with the xenomorph that was um, you could call like David's xenomorphs. Because all right, let's get this out of the way. Um, <laughs> sorry alright we're actually going to take a quick break and uh, just because I need a sip of water and we'll be right back Hi I'm Dallas and I'm Celeste and we're from Geek Devotions Geek Devotions is a show brought to you by devoted geeks who are devoted to letting you know that you are loved and we do this through a variety of ways Weekly Bible Study on Facebook at 6.30 Central Standard Time, where we go line by line through the scriptures. Such as weekly devotionals on YouTube using geeky pop culture items like movies, video games, and comic books. As well as a podcast called Com Talk by Geek Devotions, where we have book reviews, music discussions, as well as general geekery. Pray and Plays on Twitch, where we play video games, but we are willing to stop the action to pray and talk with people who need it. If you want more information about what we do here at Geek Devotions, just look up Geek Devotions on some of your favorite social media platforms or check out our website, geekdevotions.com. Okay, and we're back. Sorry, I also really wanted to shout out our friends over at Geek Devotions, Dallas and Celeste, because they really inspired the bumping up of this episode. Um, they're great people. Their podcast is great. Their ministry is great. Check them out. They are they are awesome people. Um, and Geek Devotions is just fantastic. All right, so the thing I was going to get out of the way. Since Covenant, there has been a a borderline argument that, uh, that David <laughs> in covenant, you find out David created the xenomorphs. Um, I'm going to argue no, because <laughs> not only in the debatably out of canon novelization, does it state that David was trying to recreate the xenomorphs because he studied what the engineers had done. Um, in the direct movie in scenes, you see, like almost like a hieroglyph of the uh, of the xenomorph on a wall in Prometheus in there in the uh, the engineers' ships. So no, David did not create the engineers. Uh, sorry, not the engineer. Well, he especially didn't create them. He did not create the xenomorphs. Now he recreated them, but he couldn't get them exactly like the ones the engineers created or had aboard the ship so moving on <laughs> just had to get that rant out of my way uh there were going to be different types of uh xenomorphs in this the uh the rogue alien so this creature is the one living beneath the cell block it is responsible for the deaths of the inmates in their cells as well as grimes domingo and kuro during an ill-fated escape attempt um, this xenomorph is able to realign its armored, uh, mesoskeleton so that it may reshape itself to pass through very narrow gaps, such as between the bars of prison cells. Um, the idea of a xenomorph that can alter its body shape to pass through small gaps was later reused in, uh, John Sfate's concept for the blue beluga xenomorph in his original script for prometheus titled alien engineers 
which might be a podcast for a different time because man, I would have preferred that, um, that movie. Also the, the creature shares its name with the rogue, um, which was a leading character in the comic, comic aliens rogue. Um, but aside from that, they share little similarities. There was the chameleon alien, which was only seen in the specimen storage room of the lab. This xenomorph would be able to change the uh, the color of its skin to match its environment as a form of camouflage. There was going to be the brute alien, um, and this creature escapes from the storage room following the, uh, the shuttle crash and is later killed fighting the new breed. It is described as a stockier, stockier than normal xenomorph, has a spiked uh, mesoskeleton. In combat, it charges like a mad rhino. And this one shares concepts, uh, shares ideas and similarities with um, some aliens from the comics. Um, there was the Siamese alien. Um, it was only seen in the storage room in the lab. This xenomorph consists of two individuals fused together like Siamese twins. I don't know what the point of that is, but, you know, mad scientists got a mad science. Um, there was the mutated alien, um, again, only seen in the in the lab. This xenomorph is horribly deformed, much like the clones of Ripley, the other clones of Ripley, one through seven in um, Alien Resurrection. It's implied to be because of the imperfections in the cloning process that created it. Um, and then there was the new breed, which was the primary antagonist of the film following the death of the rogue. This creature is able to secrete acid through its skin, an ability that it affects that it uses to pass through walls and other obstructions by melting them. Uh, it also engages with the brute alien in a fight, kills it by tearing out its spine. <laughs> Holy predator, Batman. Um <laughs> Despite its name, it also it bears no resi- uh, relation to the newborn in Alien Resurrection. Um, some final notes. Um, Twohi allegedly developed an alternate draft of the script uh, featuring Ellie, uh, Ellen Ripley as a major character, presumably in case Sigourney Reaver, who at the time seemed unlikely to return for a third movie, changed her mind. Um so then another note is the uh, the manner in which xenomorphs are recreated from a facehugger trapped in amber is remark. Yeah, I, I mentioned that it's remarkably similar to Jurassic Park. Um, but Jurassic Park wasn't uh, wasn't written until uh, th- uh, years after this script was written. So I'm not going to say anybody ripped off anybody. It's just one of those. uh lovely remarkable coincidences that just are so fascinating and that is the episode that is the episode for uh for alien 3 unmade there are many other versions of of alien 3 but these are the ones that have the most information um and the most accessible information um i will attach the links to the screenplays and i will say most of this, um, as I was reading, this was from avpfandom.com, um, but this stuff, again, is legit. They have citations to it at the bottom of every pages, um, and it's, it's, it's just fascinating. For me, Alien 3 is, is an example of, uh, uh, like, in a way, it's a shame. 
uh, because the movie had so much potential. Even the final product had so much potential. And there's things I love in the in the final end, like I, the, the final product. I love the runner. I do love the setting, um, despite its, despite the the issues they had in that production with that setting. I like the idea of a prison planet. I like the idea of we've seen how we've done the whole Vietnam thing. Um, <laughs> in aliens, I like the, um, I, I like alien threes claustrophobic prison setting. Um, it further isolates Ripley and informs where she is and the, the faults of the, the company in unfettered capitalism. <laughs> like it really does. Um, and it really does set up her sacrifice in the eventual movie rather well. Um, as you can see through this, they didn't know what to do with, with alien three. They really didn't. They weren't sure if Sigourney was coming back. So they were like, all right, let's uh, come up with some ideas where they involve uh, directly Hicks and Newt or, they toy with killing off Newt, uh, Newton Hicks, which they eventually did. And I know a lot of people took issue with that, and I totally understand why. Like, James Cameron really developed these lovable characters uh, that you spent, like, two to two and a half hours getting to know, uh, tolerating, and then enjoying and loving, um, only to have them killed off screen in, <laughs> in the beginning of the next movie, which... I think killing them off off screen would have been better than killing them off on screen. Um, that might have been more egregious in fans' eyes. Um, <laughs> but then it also tackled the idea of like not including these characters at all, which arguably would have been worse. Actually, no, it would have been worse because you need to finish. It, you needed to finish Ripley's story, but. Like, I had a great conversation, actually, with Dallas and Celeste after their last episode, um, where the, the, the Alien franchise right now is is really up in the air. Um, like, there's all these rumors and talks, like, is it going, is it going to be, um, <laughs> is it going to be Ridley Scott coming back and finishing it off? Is he going to finish off the, the prequel series, or is he just going to go somewhere else? Um and like in my past alien slash alien predator themed episodes, I'm like, look, I th my personal opinion in the future of these movies, you could do an AVP three, just have it set in the future. Um, and as much as I love watching Sigourney Weaver play Ripley in uh, Ripley eight, the clone in alien resurrection is one of the few good things in that movie, which by the by the novelization much better. Um, I don't think you necessarily need Ripley in an alien movie. Um, and that's what some of the elements from these explore. And uh, there's elements of these where I'm like, I like this and I like how you repurposed it in later movies better. Um, but on the whole with alien three, <laughs> you can see like why it had so so much trouble because these these scripts got to various levels of either production or pre-production and then they were canned 
and eventually it was like, look, we got to release this thing. And it became about a release date, less about a movie. Um, and then all the, the like studio interference Fincher had, <coughs> it's nuts. Um, like I said, my personal favorite out of these is probably the Vincent Ward one. Um, and I think comics medium is a great way. I would legit enjoy any or all of these being released through comics or, or like a, a straight to DVD cartoon or something. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll end it there. Cause I, I know I've been rambling and, uh, I apologize for that, but I, I, I really hope you enjoyed these. Uh, let me know in the comments, um, what out of these is your favorite? Uh, which one would you be most interested in seeing again? The, uh, the Gibson script, the William Gibson one, at least the first draft, um, you can read through, uh, through a dark horse comic and a, uh, you can listen to in audiobook format through audible. Um, there's an audio drama of it. So check that you can, you can check those out. Um, and I'd love to see some of the other ones get, uh, get those treatments. Maybe not Eric, the reds. <laughs> I'm sorry. If your name's Eric and red, you're, you're just going to get Eric the redded. Um, <laughs> so let me know in the comments, what did you, uh, which one of these would be your favorite? I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, again, check out geek devotions and I will try for future episodes, not to be relying so much on, uh, on reading stuff off of, off, off the computer. Cause it's not my favorite way to deliver, but there was so much information for this. And, um, Again, anxiety was hitting and that's not an excuse, but it's just like, I was looking for, for something to do and, and this helped. And, um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode because it's one I was wanting to do for a while. Um, I'm looking forward to just doing alien unmade in general. Um, cause there's, there's just a lot of meat on that bone. Um, and I've also been on a, a Bondzilla podcast kick, um, which has gotten me on a, uh, a, a semi bond kick, but also a, uh, a star Trek kick. So I'm looking forward to doing, um, an unmade, uh, star Trek episode. All that being said, I love you guys. Thank you for listening and supporting, um, supporting through prayer, um, supporting through Patreon. Thank you to my patrons, Bex and Nathan, Notably, Nathan. Last time I accidentally <laughs> called Nathan Tim. <laughs> um, so I do apologize for that, Nathan. <laughs> and we recently uh, rejigged our Patreon tiers. Um, so it, they are our... Uh, <laughs> my joke was on Instagram because <laughs> I added it with a, uh, a gift from the office. <laughs> um, but liquor! Our prices have never been lower. Um, so yeah, our, our Patreon tier, um, the the tiers ha- financially have gone down. So if you do feel like you can, please head on over. You'll see some fun clip art. Uh, there are some great perks. We have also added a new tier, which is like, I'll admit, a, a full-on joke tier. Um, although if you want to add to it, I'm not going to complain. It's called the Funko Fund. And at the end of the day, like homies, I love Funkos. I just want more Funkos. <laughs> so if you want to give me money towards them, awesome. <laughs> 
but that one's not considered a, <laughs> I don't actually consider that a real tier. I just want to add a fun one. Um, but it, hey, if you do do that one, I will happily add, <laughs> I will happily share and review that Funko with, uh, expressionally with bells on. I don't have anything with bells to wear. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I've said that like 10 times, but I always hope you enjoy the episodes. Um, but I hope you enjoy. I hope you're staying safe. God bless my friends. Be good to each other, please. Please be good to each other. <laughs> and um, let me know what was uh, what out of these unmade scripts for Alien 3 are the ones that interest you the most. And again, sorry, I know I've quasi-ended this. Man, I'm, I'm like friggin' Return of the King. <laughs> Just when you think I'm ending, I'm adding more. <laughs> And I love that movie. Um, if you have any uh, prayer requests, hit me up. We'll keep it private. It's, it's not for... Uh, I'm not sharing this with anybody. I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at look at how holy I am. Because that's... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very much of which I am the worst. Um, no. Uh, I, I've... I've asked for prayer on here and I'm, ha I, I'm happy to pray for people. And I believe our God is a God who answers prayers. The answers might not always be the answers we want, but they're eventually we realize we're the answers we need. Um, or that are better than what we want. That's, that's a podcast all in and of, in and of itself. Um, hit me up for, uh, if you've got any prayer requests, drop a line. We'll keep it quiet, but I'll be praying for you. And um, also, I, I asked on Twitter, and I'm going to ask here, one thing I kind of want to do, um, I've started dabbling in some other things where it's like exclusive uh, Patreon content. So, hey, if you become a patron, you get exclusive content and bonus episodes. Um, but one episode I do want to kind of try is almost like a mailbag Ask Anything episode. Now, I'll say within reason, because if, if you just send me a uh send me something that's like really inappropriate i might laugh but i'm not gonna read it or let alone record it um but if you do have any questions that you and you'd be interested in that episode let me know because i'd love to do it um all right final ending have a wonderful day take care my friends thank you for listening subscribing reviewing all that jazz love you guys be safe be good to one another, and God bless. Peace!